Ready to boost sales and grow your business without the BS? Welcome to the Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We'll be sharing actionable tips across marketing, sales, and growth without the BS to help you skyrocket your business. And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. Delighted to be joined by John Esperian today. John is a relentlessly helpful copywriter. He's an all-round LinkedIn nerd, eager experimenter, and he's the author of Content DNA. B2B clients tend to hire John to write web pages, to produce expert articles and case studies, and improve their presence across LinkedIn. John, a really warm welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks for having me, Sam. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our chat today. Um, all going well. It's Friday, so it's it's the day for my Friday shout. It's the day for my Friday shout shirt. So it's it's good. The sun's shining in South Wales. It's all good. Nice one, man. Looking sharp, sir, and looking forward to having a chat. And we're going to be digging deep today, John, into how people can um, not just create content on LinkedIn, but create content that's actually going to drive that all-important revenue, all-important bottom line, whether that is driving um, sales opportunities or inbound opportunities, and how we can go about that. But as a starting piece, John, why should we actually bother? Why should we bother being creating content on LinkedIn, in, in your opinion? Well, I think I think doing so sets us apart from the the ninety nine percent of people who don't create content on LinkedIn. You know that the, the stats suggest that there are something like seven hundred and forty million users on LinkedIn. Yep, maybe three or four million of them create regular content. That's not a lot, really. So you can immediately jump the queue and get get visibility for your business if you start creating content. So that that's what most people don't do. Most people are lurkers, you know, the people who sit behind the velvet rope and they just watch what's going on, which has some value to it. But I think creating content gives you a chance to, you know, demonstrate some thought leadership, demonstrate that you, you're interested in your own industry, that you're able to put out something that is helpful. And over time, that's the thing that builds into a bank of content that says, yeah, this, this guy or girl knows what they're talking about. Maybe next time we need that service or that product, we're going to go to this person. And, and that's that's the, the method that I've been using for the past four years on LinkedIn. And it's worked really, really well for me. Got it. Got it. And before we dive into how we can create this copy, um, because I know you've got great experience, John, in terms of some of the results you've achieved personally and for your clients. What do we need to be thinking about before we get into perhaps strategies and techniques? What do we need to be thinking about in terms of before we even get into something in terms of perhaps our research or who we want to be targeting more so with this? Is that is that something we need to be considering before we jump ahead and, and just start putting words to paper to, or to LinkedIn rather? Yeah, you don't just want to be creating any content. You want to create the content that is actually going to help the ideal reader so that they can become, they can draw themselves a little bit closer to you and they can make a a more educated buying decision. That's really what the root of content marketing is, which is the kind of inbound marketing that I specialize in, is is being helpful, educating people and and not being salesy in your content. But doing those things means that you need to understand who it is that you're speaking to in the first instance. You know, what are your ideal customers' problems? What are their frustrations? 
Uh, what are they actually searching for when they're looking for someone like you who could provide the product or service that, that would fix whatever their problem is? So you, you have to have a kind of a, a demographic and psychographic profile of the person that you're trying to influence and thinking, what would help that person right now? And then start building a list of things that you could answer based on you know, what you know about your industry. And um, one of the best places to start is if, you, if you're not brand new to business, is to look at all the questions you've been asked already by your customers, face to face, on Zoom calls, in emails, and say, <clears throat> if, if this person has asked this question, maybe loads of other people are silently thinking the same thing. And if I could answer that question at scale through my content, that will help me educate those people so that when they eventually get in touch, the sales process just becomes a tick in a box because they've already built the trust with me because I've answered all of their questions, objections and whatever. So that's what you need to do first is get a really good handle on who it is that you're trying to influence and what are their problems that you might be able to resolve and, and, and spell all of that out in as much detail as you can through your content. Yeah. It's, it's a really good starting point and you've given us an actionable tip to to take away straight away in terms of utilizing those questions that and I'm sure most industries have got them right because I can certainly throw out a few questions whether it's to do with your website to do with your digital marketing that we'll get mostly on a day-to-day -day. and I'm sure that can spin back to most verticals to most industries that there are these common questions that whether it's on a sales call whether it's on a support call whether it's via email that come in quite regularly so we can we can literally weave these into to to our ideas can we John in terms of what we produce yes uh, and, and actually this touches on a really important point that a lot of customers come to me with they, they say well I don't know what to write about Right. And, and the, the mistake they often make is that they fail to realize that they're an expert in their industry. They might know it inside out. And the stuff that is really simple to them because they do it every day it is not simple to the people who are going to be buying from them. And, and I've never once had someone when I'm talking about, you know, something about social media or talking about something about LinkedIn, uh, I'm giving some copywriting tips. No one's ever really come back and said, God, that's obvious. You didn't need to tell us that. You know, very often that content that feels simple to you is not to your ideal reader. And that should immediately open up lots of doors that you could talk about through your content. And, and you know, you could produce a really big content plan of stuff that you might think is simple. It just isn't. But And, and a lot of people just feel reassured when someone tells them something they already know anyway. But it's just an extra trust signal when you hear the same voice saying things and some of the stuff you know, some of the stuff you don't know, it just builds trust. And that is the route to sales. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that all makes sense. And I'm sure we can dig into that in a little bit more detail shortly. Um, and this we might have covered a bit of this so far, John, but I know you've got your own framework that you like to utilize. <clears throat> yeah. um, so perhaps we could chat through that and how that works. And yeah. then perhaps share some ideas along the way of how everyone tuning in can actually utilize this regardless yeah. of what industry they're in. Yeah. Okay. So to set the scene for this, I'm not writing content that goes into adverts. I'm writing content that is going to attract people towards me and attract people towards my clients. Um, and an important part of that is getting organic visibility on a platform like LinkedIn. What does that mean? It means that when you write something, 
it has the potential to spread through the LinkedIn network naturally without anyone having to pay for that privilege. And I've found there are, there are probably five categories of content that are most likely to be spread through the LinkedIn network. And therefore, that's the kind of stuff that I recommend people start with wherever they can. And, and these are types of content, and they fit into a framework that I've called CHAIR. So CHAIR stands for challenging, helpful, amusing, interesting, and relevant. So I'll just very quickly explain what these mean. Uh, challenging content tends to be content that divides opinion or that challenges an orthodox opinion that exists within your industry, because that kind of thing tends to get a lot of people to comment on LinkedIn. Okay. And comments, comments are the gold in terms of organic visibility. So you, you've got these engagement metrics, you've got likes, you've got comments, and you've got shares. And a lot of people who come over from somewhere like Twitter would think, oh, well, a share is the most powerful thing on, on LinkedIn, right? No, actually, a comment is more powerful than a share. So if you can create something that divides opinion, you'll get people talking in the comments, and that will get you lots of organic visibility. And if you're saying something of substance, those people will want to check out your profile. And if you've set up your profile correctly, a proportion of those people will want to buy from you. So challenging content is the first type. Can we get a quick example of what that might look like, John? Is that just a case? And and also how we can keep that relevant to perhaps, and feel free to use a client case study or, or whatever whatever you feel might be necessary. Um, do we need to make sure this is relevant to our own company or our own offering? Or can this just be our own opinion? Or what, what does it actually look like when we post yeah, a challenging well, statement? Challenging content often really is opinion-led. Uh, sure. And, and it, it could be something, let's say, you might talk generally about, let's say, the hiring process in technology and saying, you know, I, I would not hire someone who comes to an interview in jeans and T-shirt, right? You, you could put that in out there because maybe that's the way your company operates. Um that kind of thing is going to start debate and, and is, is, is going to tell a little bit of your story and get people commenting. Now, some people will like that. Some people will hate it. That's good. If you, can if you can polarize a little bit, that is good because you don't need to serve the world to make an income, to, to make a living. You don't need to serve everyone. Um, I heard someone say a, a great quote once, which is, unless you're selling the cure to cancer, which tastes like chocolate, your, your thing is not going to be for everyone. So it's okay to divide opinion because the people who like you will probably like you even more. And the people who hate you won't bother you because they'll, they'll just go away and think this guy's a waster. Fine. Um, so that's challenging, right? Um, my specialty is the second kind, which is helpful. And the reason that helpful content, which is really the basis of, of content marketing, the reason that that is successful is because of one of the rules of human influence, of, which is about uh, reciprocation. If you put out something that scratches someone else's back, they're going to be looking either consciously or subconsciously for a way to scratch your back back. And, and that often manifests in people liking and commenting on your content, sharing it with their friends sometimes. Um, and, and that is great for visibility. You know, hey, I picked up this great tip from John about so-and-so. Brilliant. It, it, it moves without you having to force it. Okay. Then 
what else we've got? We've got amusing content. Now, I, I tend not to do too much of this, but co content that makes people smile or entertains people in some way is inherent. Yep. It's inherently likable and shareable. You might not get very many comments on that, but you will get a lot of likes and shares. And again, that's brilliant for visibility. Gives you a chance to tell a bit of a funny story, maybe. Uh, and, and the final two categories quickly are interesting and, and relevant. And, and the reason that these are important is because you want to be known as the person of authority in your industry. The, the, the last thing you want to do is for people to think you do seven different things and they can't describe those things really quickly. Right. Because if you had a quick conversation with someone and they said, um, oh, tell me about Sam. OK, well, he does this and he does that. I think he does this. Whereas if you said. As Sam's a digital marketing expert, you need to go to him now. Brilliant. That's what you want. You want to be pigeonholed. You want to be typecast and, and, and keeping your content on topic as much as possible means that you've got that drip, drip feed where people just remember, oh, yeah, there he is. He's that cartoon guy on LinkedIn, for example, who keeps talking about LinkedIn, right? Oh, I need a LinkedIn specialist. Oh, who am I going to go to? Well, him, because he doesn't talk about a million other things. I know what he's good at. He doesn't talk about Facebook. He doesn't talk about Twitter. He talks about LinkedIn. Brilliant, right? And the other thing is followers, you know, you want to build up your following, but a lot of that is focused on getting more numbers through the door. But you've got to remember, you've got to keep your existing followers happy. So if you start wandering off topic, people are going to hit the unfollow button and then you essentially you've lost them. So, so interesting and relevant, both important in terms of keeping an engaged audience. They know what to expect from you. So if you can create content that hits those high level categories of chair, uh, that will stand you in good stead for getting good engagement, good visibility on LinkedIn. And as I say, if you've set up your profile correctly, a proportion of those people are going to be interested in whatever the product or services that you're putting out in the world. Business Growth Show is sponsored by Vidyard. Tommy was tired of cold calling and emailing his prospects and getting little to no response. He signed up for a free Vidyard account, allowing him to send personalized video emails and messages to his leads and contacts and saw results almost immediately. People loved the personalized approach and the fact he took the time to send a custom video explaining his offer and his solution. And as a result, he stood out from his competitors, filled his calendar with quality appointments and smashed his sales targets. Sign up for your free Vidyard account today at vidyard.com forward slash BGS. That's vidyard.com forward slash BGS. The show is also sponsored by Web Choice. Are you tired of hunting for clients? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending money on marketing, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of leads and sales. Want to learn more about WebChoice's unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you? Book a free digital marketing assessment today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. And if we've got time, it'd be good to kind of chat about if we do anything in terms of moving these these views that we're getting into into inbound opportunities, the sales opportunities, and the leads. Yep. But just digging into this chair chair framework, which I really like, John. Just to touch on, so in terms of um, we we talked about the challenging aspect. In terms of the helpful aspect, so yes. 
which which like like you mentioned you're providing tips on on linkedin almost daily yeah. um giving people actually actionable bits and pieces they can take away and put into play how can we pull up this information for ourselves i know you touched on something just now perhaps utilizing questions that you get already um yeah. is that what we need to do or there are other ways that we can make sure we're putting out content that's not just helpful but also honing in to yeah. the actual memorable side of things so people can understand that we're the go-to person for for this product or for this service yeah. so no one yeah. else comes to mind right so there's, there's a couple of answers for that one so um you need to think about what are the common misconceptions in your business because you know a lot of content plans work on you know what are the benefits what are the features okay that's that's one level that's fine um what are the objections that's also fine but you've got to think about what are the what are the misconceptions? You know, the, something that is not a legitimate objection, but people just don't know any better. So if you can just provide that clarity through your content, show people how to do something or how to make a better buying decision. Like, for example, you could talk, you could talk about pricing in your industry and give people, this is the reason why this kind of thing would be a thousand pound product versus this, which would be a hundred pound product and explain why those things are different. That kind of thing is really helpful for someone who's looking to make a, a buying decision to, to buy whatever that product is. And if you're selling that, but you can talk about it in general terms, in terms of the way your industry is set up and why these differences exist, that person who's consuming that content is going to go, okay, I, I get that now. That's, that's, I wish I knew that before. And oh, look, he does this. That, that, that's fab. I'm going to go to him. That's, that's really helpful content. It's something that helps people make a more educated buying decision. So there's, there's all sorts of stuff that you can do. Whatever business you're in, you can help make things clear. And that, that's really my, that's my strength is explaining how stuff works. <laughs> and so that's what I do with LinkedIn. And, yeah. and that helps me get business because I'm saying, you know, I will explain how your widget works, but oh, look, here's me explaining how LinkedIn works as a, as a way of showing my skills in that area. But anyone can do this. You just need to understand problems, objections, misconceptions, and think what would help this person most and then create the content that answers those questions. Yeah, when you put it like that, it sounds simple. I've never thought of that. And I guess this could work in a lot of industries because I'm sure one of the most common I certainly hear it all the time. I'm sure a lot of other people in different sectors hear it. And when it comes to talking about prices, there's nearly all the time when you're coming up to offer a product, they they will say, "Look, I'm comparing quotes," or "There's there's one or two other vendors that I'm looking at." Yeah. So if you're actually putting out content that is clearly saying, "Look, this is why this version of it might be this, and this is why the higher end might be this," and you're literally yeah. getting to the nuts and bolts, so I've never thought of doing that, but that's a really really nice takeaway. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know what? You you could let let me just take one example, right? So let let's say you were explaining why one one television costs three thousand quid, and another one costs three hundred quid, and you were just making that comparison and talking about all the features and talking about the wiring and how it uses special gold cable or something, and then you ended by saying, "Oh, by the way, we fix both kinds of these TVs." Right, that is going to be that's fantastically helpful because someone who who maybe needs that service is obviously going to trust you more instead of saying, you know, forty nine quid, we'll come out next day and fix your stuff. Do you want to hire us? Well, well, maybe, 
you know, if you need help right now. But if you build the trust slowly with people and just explain the stuff that's around your industry, how it really works, how it works under the hood, you know, maybe, for example, you think that Google ads are really the best thing in, since sliced bread, but then you could create some content that says Google ads versus Bing ads or versus putting stuff in the post, if you remember what that's like. What are the results? Here, here's our analysis. Someone's nice. going to trust you more if, for, for doing that because that's like that's really helpful. And actually, I'm going to send that to my cousin because he, he needs that right now. That that's that's the approach you want to take. Yeah, I really like that. So just thinking about comparisons that you could perhaps Absolutely. throw in the market that are relevant that perhaps people come to you with already. It's like another it. point, right? Think about your own behavior online. Right, you're going to go and buy a car. You're going to go and buy anything, anything, a substantive purchase, right? Especially if you're in B2B. You're going to want to see this versus that, aren't you? You're going to go to a, the equivalent of a compare the market for whatever the product or service is and look for reviews and all of that stuff. Well, if someone's giving an independent review of those things, that's really useful, really useful. Do more of that kind of reviews, comparisons. Here's the best in class of this service. <clears throat> if you can do more of that, that kind of stuff leads itself to being not salesy if you can do it right, but then it'll just build massive trust. Like it. Cool. Um, and then moving moving on through your, your chair framework, John. So we've done challenging, we've done helpful, we touched on amusing, and then interesting and relevant. Are those both kind of the, the similar to what we've been we've been talking about or is there a bit more to those two yeah <clears throat> the important thing here is to try and stay on topic as much as possible and keep people engaged as much, much as possible so you could stay on topic and just be talking about something that's very very specific inside your business like we hired a new hr manager who cares no one right that that isn't interesting it might, you know, that might hit relevant. It's not interesting, though. So it's got to be something that has engagement potential. So it's got to be something, ideally, that you can get someone to, you can ask a question at the end of presenting that so that people can be invited to, to, to find out more information. Um, what, yeah. One of the ways I do this in, in B2B, which is which can often be very dry and boring and, Right. That, that's certainly the misconception. Certainly can. Yeah. Right. Is instead of I mean, I can think of one client. And I'm not going to better not name them right now. But <laughs> it, it, it's instead of looking at the, the, the big picture kind of stuff, maybe you could zoom in. Maybe you could zoom into one tiny part of the whole process and show the care and attention that goes into producing one bit of equipment that without that the whole thing would fall down and not work and show the person who's doing that thing and how many hours he had to put in to kind of get really good at being an expert at doing this process for example right that kind of thing is a story-led approach and is interesting and is relevant to the business and it will make people Again, just invested a bit more. There's, so there's a bit of storytelling going on with that. Um, rather than just saying, here's service A, it's 100 quid. Here's service B, it's 300 quid. We're available now. Ugh, you know, that's really, that's just really so basic. 
You, mm-hmm. you, need to, you need to get people to buy in a little bit more. And whatever you do with interesting and relevant, it's really important to keep people engaged and not to do anything to lose the followers. And 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 because uh, you know that that that's it's going to stifle your growth if you do that. Got it. Okay. So as many people may or may not know, there's there's huge organic potential in LinkedIn, especially right now, yeah. in terms of the the amount of reach that you can get without having to pay for any ad spend Mm. so with that in mind is there are there any golden rules so we've covered a great framework with yourself there john are there any golden rules in terms of the structure in terms of how we have to compose these posts Mm. because they come up differently right whether you're viewing on mobile whether you're viewing on pc um so are there any, any things we should bear in mind in terms of headlines in terms of duration of the posts length of the post call to actions yeah, that are absolute musts and absolute do nots. Yes, yeah, there's loads of them. Um, so a short form post. So this it's the status update that you would see in your LinkedIn feed if you go to the home panel. Can be up to thirteen hundred characters long, and that's about two hundred and twenty words. Let's say it's not very long. It's shorter than a really really short blog post. But you should see a LinkedIn short form post as though it were like a blog post. So what does that mean? It means that the first line should be treated as though it is a headline that that promises something that's going to be delivered in the rest of the content. You want to get to the point as quickly as you can with delivering whatever the value of the post is. And you want to end with something that is like a call to action. It's something that encourages more people to engage with the post. So there's two real ways of doing that. You can either ask a question at the end, which is relevant to the post and relevant to the audience, or uh, you could try and deliberately leave something out of the post so that some people in the audience have an opportunity to take the stage and fill in the bits that you've deliberately omitted. That's a bit more of a risky strategy, but it can sometimes work well, especially if you do reviews and comparison style content. Uh, But for everything else, asking a question is the best way. Um, On top of that, you want to maximize the readability of your content. This is really important for all web writing, not just for writing LinkedIn short form posts, all web writing. This is true for which means that you want to shorten your paragraphs you want to shorten your sentences and you want to increase the amount of white space you use in your content. And it's especially important because around 60% of all LinkedIn usage now happens on small screen mobile devices. And if you think of it, a normal paragraph on desktop looks like a wall of text on mobile. So you don't want to give people that experience. You want to just break up your text as much as possible um and because linkedin doesn't have things like rich text formatting you you need to use other devices to try and break up the content a bit so for example you could use all caps to 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 represent subheadings you could use emojis as as kind of bullet points to, to to give a splash of color a bit of life to your content and you should use some hashtags as well Uh, Not as many as you would use on Instagram, but hashtags are important on LinkedIn because they're good for reinforcing your personal brand, but they're also good for visibility if you use popularly followed hashtags in your posts. And I recommend leaving those 
uh, to the end. So very, very quickly, one more time. You've got your headline that promises what you're going to deliver. You get to the point with the meat of the content. You end with a question. You break up the content and make it as readable as possible. And you include some hashtags for, for reasons of personal branding and discoverability. If you do all of those things on a regular basis, people will start learning your style and will start engaging with your content. Got it. Well, that that's all pretty clear, John, to me. In terms of volume of content, are there any rules in terms of how often? So we've, we've got a framework. We know how to, to produce the posts. Yeah. How often should we do, be doing it? Right. The thing to keep in mind here is that posts on LinkedIn live a lot longer than they do on other social media. Some posts can last days or even possibly even more than a week before the engagement on them dies down. But what LinkedIn tends not to do is it doesn't like promoting two posts of yours at the same time. So if you put out a post and it starts to do really well, you can tell within the first couple of hours it's getting a lot of likes and comments. The last thing you really want to do is stamp down on that post by putting another post in flight because right. the second post might win and then the first post just dies off. So actually, rather than committing to, I'm going to post Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every time, because what if your Monday post goes viral, let's say, or even close to that, then, hmm. then it might be a waste in putting your Wednesday and your Friday posts out when you do. I recommend for my clients, when you're just getting started, aim for one to two posts per week on LinkedIn. Right. And if you're more experienced, you might want to go for five to seven, but not any more than that, because... I found that when I've tracked the people who are sharing 20, 30 posts a week, their content's not actually appearing in my feed. It's like LinkedIn saying, oh, they've, they've, they've gone for it a bit too much here. We're not going to show you any of their stuff. So there is a kind of upper limit. And I recommend top end, no more than 10, absolutely no more than 10 per week. Um, but but probably, you know, five is, is enough. That's about all I do to be honest with you. And that, that works pretty well for me. The key thing to do is whenever you post, however much you post, make sure that you're around for the first hour or two after the post goes live so that you can kind of babysit the post and make sure that anyone who comments gets a reply back. And I did a test on this recently. And when I deliberately avoided commenting for the first three hours on all of my posts, my view count went down by 49%, a massive drop. Wow. That was That's a, a lot. It, it's a lot. So, so if you're not already doing that, then doing it could give you that level of boost, right? But sure. don't, don't post and, and ghost, right? Don't post and then run away because that, that's that's really bad strategy. Well, I didn't realize it was it was that much in terms of engaging with the the comments themselves. So that that's a really useful thing to bear in mind when you do create that content, as well as what you mentioned about if a post takes off and you see it's getting a lot of views, a lot of comments, a lot of likes, yeah. and not putting out another post straight after, because yeah. that's I guess it's just going to not get the traction you want, not get yeah. the results you want. And the reverse of that is also true. So if you put out something and it bombs, you take another swing of the bat and put something else out, even even if it's the same day, maybe. Because you can tell yeah. this, one's, this one's dying. Let's put another one out and maybe that one will win. So have a bank of content ready to go. Maybe write a few posts ahead of time and yep. then you can, you can choose your spots. Nice. That'll, that'll make sense. And what is, what is, um, what's the, we talked about kind of volume of posts now. What, how often do we need to 
be doing this or what kind of time frames do we need to be looking at before we're going to start to see results and when i say results i mean whether people message us directly or they give us a call or give us an email to when we can start generating inbound inquiries or even referrals i mean what what's the typical time frame and appreciate this might vary john from what, yeah. what we're offering is is there one is there a time frame we can expect to see results yeah there are actually two time frames to, to mention here when research was done on this back in 2016 2017 um the, the the person doing the research who happens to be my marketing mentor uh found that it took people about two and a half years 30 months on average to go from a standing start to being known in their industry these days, if you're studying content marketing and you're putting the lessons into practice, the kind of stuff that I bang on about, the golden period now seems to be about nine months, right? Okay. So you, you can go from basically no followers, no engagement to good following, good engagement levels within nine months. Uh, but it, it requires consistent effort. If you turn up like loads one month and then you take a holiday next month and then you turn up a little bit, the third, that, that kind of approach isn't going to work. It's better to find a cadence that works for you. And you can say, yeah, I can actually commit to doing five posts a week if, if needs be. Obviously, keeping in mind the whole viral thing that I mentioned earlier. I can actually do that. If you can do it and you know you can do it for months on end, brilliant, do that. If you want to go faster, but you know you can't keep up that rate, don't go faster. Just keep go to the rate that you can achieve. That's the most important thing. Got it. Nice. Sound advice. So, John, in terms of um, we've talked about kind of optimizing your profile in, in past episodes. And if you want to check those out, we've had guests like Jared Best Michael, Daniel Disney, Justin Welsh come on to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. But with that said... Do we just need to follow the framework you've mentioned in terms of the actual content, in terms of having a great headline, spreading out the copy so it reads nicely, perhaps having a question at the end? Is there anything else we need to bear in mind to, and appreciate, like you said, it could take nine months or so for us yeah. to see these results. Anything else we need to bear in mind so our copy is actually going to get people from just browsing, just flicking through, seeing, oh, John pops up a lot. But what does does it just happen where people eventually think, I'm going to actually drop him a message now. I've got a project that I think he can help with. Well, actually, this touches on something that we haven't gone into, which is one of the very most important things, which is engaging with other people's stuff with a view to starting a public or private conversation with them. Okay. So if you've got zero followers right now and you're looking to grow, the best thing to do actually isn't to create your own content because no one's going to see it. The best thing to do is to take all of your experience, all of your knowledge, all of your insight and find spots on other people's posts where they've written something relevant to your industry and then comment on that with as much depth, authority, supportiveness as possible in public because the followers of that person will see your comment and they'll go, who's that? I've got to speak to him. And that is a great way of bootstrapping your, your, your visibility on LinkedIn. And, and as much as possible, keep it conversational and look for spots to try and move people to the direct messages because that's where I transact all of my business, right? And then I, 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 I give people voice notes. I give people video messages. LinkedIn's fantastic for this, much better than any other DM platform for me. Uh, and it's a much more personal way of connecting with people. And over time, 
those people go, yeah, he's all right. He knows what he's on about. He's not trying to sell me anything. Okay, maybe I need some LinkedIn help or maybe I need someone to write my website. He's my guy. Got it. Awesome. John, really appreciate you coming on. It's been, a, been an enjoyable episode. Any well, any final notes, any final tips just to wrap everything up that we, we should keep top of, top of mind before we go out and start creating content or engaging on other people's posts in the LinkedIn feed? I think the most important thing to do is to try and remove the, the kind of traditional salesy approach as much as possible because people are not, uh, just, you know, they're, they're not tuned in for that, especially during pandemic time. No one wants to be sold to. People love to buy, though. If you can give them as much helpful educational stuff as you can, then over time that will that will turn into sales and that's the way you win on LinkedIn. Dave, go. You've heard it here first. John, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Please do tell us more about how everyone can learn from you, how they can connect with you, and the best way to get in touch with your good self. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you search Esperian, it's a very unusual surname, then you'll find my website and you'll find me on LinkedIn. I've got something called the LinkedIn Learner Lounge, which is where I share all of my tips. So if you if you look up LinkedIn Learner Lounge, you'll find loads of LinkedIn tips. And you might be able to see behind me, I've got my book. Um, so Content DNA is... That is basically 10 years of my experience as a copywriter codified into a book about building your brand, building a better online presence. So if you look up Content DNA, that's available on Amazon. And uh, yeah, one last thing is I've got my own LinkedIn course as well. So for people who just want to cut through the free stuff and go straight to the real goodies in one place, uh, I've got a LinkedIn course available on my website as well. That's it. Awesome. And we'll put all of those links over in the episode notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, thank you once again, John. Really enjoyed having you on. Thanks for having me, Sam. Cheers. No worries. And if you enjoyed the show, be sure to hit subscribe wherever the heck you get your podcasts from. We interview business leaders each and every week to provide actionable tips across marketing, across business, across sales, all the goal to help you grow your business and grow your revenue. And with that, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in.